The scripture reading from 1 Peter 5, 1 to 7. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, he will re you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if you have been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we have been going through the book of 1 Peter. And perhaps you, like me, as you've heard that passage read, or as I was reading it over and over again, preparing for it, thinking about what has come forward in the first four chapters of 1 Peter, perhaps your mind goes to the great theologians that are Monty Python, who say, and now for something completely different. Because there's a sense that all of a sudden, Peter is changing and going, um, I've been talking to everyone, I've been speaking to everyone. Yes, there were moments where I talked to slaves or wives or husbands, but the reality is the whole book was to every exile, everyone that was a Christian that he was speaking to, a follower of Christ. But now he gets really personal, really small, and says to the elders. And so now for something completely different. It might seem like it doesn't connect. The second thing that you might think when you hear that is, oh, good, well, I'm not one of those, so I don't need to really listen to this sermon. It's not applicable to me. I, I don't have anything in this. The word of God I know is good for reproving and correction and edification, but in this particular instance, it's not important for me to listen. Let me caution you there. <laughs> this definitely is a place for you to listen. It's definitely a place for in my own heart, I needed to be challenged and reminded of God's goodness and his grace. So let's talk about how it actually ties in a little bit and how it's not that and now for something completely different before we dive fully into this passage. If you just look up in, in, in chapter 4, you see that he's talking about the suffering that is going to come. Last week we talked about this fiery trial that was going to come, that you will be tested. And we know that throughout all of the book of 1 Peter that he talks about suffering or trials or tribulations that are going to take place. 
And then he says at the very end, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to the faithful creator while doing good. And he goes, so I exhort the elders. I think one of the key things for us to gather here is that Peter recognizes that you don't experience these trials and tribulations, these fiery things that are going to come to you on your own. He recognizes that these exiles, these people of God that he's speaking to in this letter, are joined together. And not just joined together by happenstance, and not just sort of willy-nilly coming together and going apart and coming, but that there is actually some sort of structure within it. That there is elders or leaders. There are those who pull people together and bring them into a place of community. And so when Peter makes this transition, in his mind he's going, all these things are going to happen. Let me remind you that you are within a place that God has ordained as you give yourself over and entrust yourself to God, that he's already placed you in a community that is designed before the foundations of the world to give you protection to give you reminders of God's grace, to give you reminders of where you can entrust yourself. And that it's not just something that can quickly fall apart. As a matter of fact, it's something I've established and I have given leaders to it in order to bring protection and care. The way we see that fleshing out today is within our local churches and congregations. That there are leaders that are there that that provide guidance and care and shepherding, as we'll talk about. But it's always been that way with God. When he called out his people in the 12 tribes, he set aside a tribe of leaders, those Levites who brought people in. There were kings that he raised up to lead his people. There were prophets that he called to speak his truth to people who led. Even in a book of Judges, we see God bringing about leaders in order to bring people back to God and provide protection. And so, it seems right, really. And not just something completely different for Peter to go, since I know that God has created this body, which we now call the church, to be the place of the people of God and how I will express my loving pursuit in the world, I need to remind the leaders and those who are following the leaders how they need to lead. So why is it important for you, if you're not a leader, to know how leaders are supposed to lead? Well, because this is not sort of an authoritative sort of leadership. It is a servant leadership, which means we all who happen to be leaders need to have you saying to us, I think you messed up. (laughs) We have to be willing to hear you say, you're not leading the right way. And you need to be able to say, you are, and celebrating it. But not only that, as John Maxwell, who has written too many leadership books, quite honestly, so they now all say the same thing, has said, everyone in their life somewhere is a leader. Because everyone somewhere in their life has influence over someone else. 
And so, if you have influence over someone else, it's good for you to know what God expects of leaders. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. So, he quickly comes to them and he says, I want you to be prepared, leaders. And I'm not speaking out of turn. He just reminds them, I am one who is with you. I am also a fellow elder, a leader, and a witness of God's suffering, of Christ's suffering, but also will partake in his glory. Then he says this, I need you to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Well, that seems to us, for those of us who maybe have been in church or for those of us who have been out of church in our life, but we have hoped to have a good leader in our lives, we hear those things and we think, yes, we definitely want somebody to lead us who doesn't do it begrudgingly, who doesn't do it because they feel like, oh, well, I got put in this position and so I've got to do it. We know that's never a good leader to follow. We want somebody who's like, I can't wait to help you. I can't wait to equip you. I can't wait to lead you, right? So we all recognize that's a good thing. We all recognize that it's better to have somebody who's coming generously and out of love than somebody who's going, now, while I lead these people, what can I get out of them? Right? We recognize that and go, yeah, that's not a good leader. And we also recognize that a good leader is not one who stands up and says, do as I say, not as I do. Boy, have we not seen that just fall apart time after time. And so in our hearts and in our minds, we recognize that and we go, yes, that's true. But let's remember the people here that Peter's talking to and the type of leaders that they have seen. Now, outside of Peter and the apostles, the type of leaders that they had been following, the type of leaders that they maybe had even aspired to be, had been the leaders that were exactly looking for their own gain. Exactly domineering and saying, by my title, you should follow me. That aren't looking to serve at all, but looking for honor and glory for themselves. Maybe it's helpful to remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, when John and James's brother, uh, mother comes to him and says, I, I want my sons to sit beside you. Jesus calls them over and he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. See, they recognize that. They were like, that's exactly right. That's exactly how they do it. Uh, oftentimes, when we go to read any sort of leadership book or we look to leaders, we want somebody who is casting a vision, but often that vision becomes more powerful than the people that are following them. And so as long as we accomplish that, no matter how many people we step on, no matter how often it takes to push people aside to get there, it doesn't matter. And what Peter is saying and what Jesus is saying is, you've seen how they lead, but it shall not be that way among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for 
You see, Peter was there hearing those words of Jesus. And so when he comes to this place to talk about what it looks like, he brings those words forward in his own heart and in his own life. And he says to us, those who are leaders, and all of us are, he says, when you lead, do not lead out of a sense of obligation, but out of a sense that you know God has given you this moment to be the one to influence. Know that you're not coming here to get ungodly gain or shameful gain, but that you are here to give, to serve. And you do it by setting an example most clearly. Now, we fell miserably at this. And why is that? Well, I think if we look a little bit further down in this passage where we see these sort of volleys that Peter gives us of what we're supposed to do, we recognize what it is that he's actually attacking. That, that thing behind or underneath, that external sort of thing. So when you experience a leader or maybe you in your own leadership of somebody in your life have become domineering or you have been doing it begrudgingly, we can easily look at that external manifestation, that working out, that fleshy thing, and say, yeah, that doesn't seem right. But it's actually what is the heart matter that's important. Yes, we don't want the external manifestations, but it's the heart that matters. And so what is it that Peter is dealing with here? Jump down to verse 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the, at the proper time he may exalt you and cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. There's two things that battle in our lives, and it's this, the desire of pride and the desire of control. We want to be recognized for who we are and what we've done, and we want to make sure that everything goes the way that we want it to go. And so in our lives, we battle with these two things, pride and control. That's the reason why Peter here, when he's talking about those who are leading, he knows that if they are walking in pride or they are walking in control, they will be those who dominate. They will be those that say, do as I say, not as I do. They will be those who will always be looking for Shameful gain. Not, not just money, but shameful gain means control. It's that idea that as I move people who are following me in the direction that they can go, then my life will be ordered in such a way that I don't have to have worry or anxiety. And I trust the goodness that I have in and of myself to be able to do these things. That's the reason why he says Humble yourself. Cast all your anxieties on the Lord. He's going at the heart of the matter. He's saying, too often you stand up in your own power, in your own pride, in your own desire for control, and you miss the blessing of God. You miss the things that He wants to bring to you. What, what does it look like for us to sit in a place of humility and without control. 
Does your heart begin to race even when you hear those words? Do you begin to get a little nervous when you start to think, well, now, I mean, the Lord gave me a mind, and he, he gave me my physical abilities, and he, he gave me my degree, and he gave me my checkbook, and so, checkbook, <laughs> what is that? Nobody has a checkbook anymore. I mean, my F-pass, <laughs> my, my easily transferable money. It springs from a lack of trust. It springs from the fact that we don't trust that God is good to us. We don't trust that God would, one, either put us in a place and give us everything we need to accomplish what he's called us to. And we don't trust that God would put people in our lives that would lead us in the way that he would want us to be led. We look at both of those circumstances and say, but it might just be better if I take a little bit of control. It might just be better if I get a little bit of recognition for this. I, I like the way you're doing that, Lord, but perhaps if we did this, it might turn out a little bit better. Oh, we're never that arrogant, are we? We're never going to say that out loud. Let me suggest that maybe if you begin to say that out loud a little bit, it will help your heart recognize how dirty it is and that God can step in because it's at those moments that we recognize, no, humility is far from me and that God has called me to be humble. But yet I can't do that myself. That's the reason why over and over and over again in this passage, we see God doing something as well. So there's this call for us to lead in a way that is revealing who God is. There's a call for us not to lead begrudgingly and not for shameful gain and to do it by example, not by domineering. Why? It's so that when the chief shepherd appears, we will receive glory, not because of what we've done or how we've done it, but because when the chief shepherd appears, his glory will overcome us. It will wash us and make us clean. It will be so present that we can't see anything else but His glory. And that's the reason why He calls all of us to move to humility. He starts there by saying, you younger ones, you need to be subjected to these elders, but clothe yourselves, all of you, in humility knowing that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility is the recognition of who we really are. Humility is the recognition of where we stand. Humility is the recognition just like the prodigal son who says to himself, finally, when he is feeding the pigs, I once was this. I once was a son, but now I'm unworthy of that. I just want to be a servant. You see, that's the recognition that I, I, I was created to be loved by God. Yet I have decided love of myself is more important. And that's why I choose pride and control over trusting God over and over again. 
I have that, as we said a few weeks ago, little emperor me that comes in and sits on my heart and says, I'm right. I'm worthy. I'm correct. I receive glory. And that glory so quickly diminishes because we take ourselves into bondage over and over again where pigs eat better than we eat. And the banquet table of God is set for us and he can't wait to run. I think one of the good things for us to look at is the fact that Jesus himself refers to who he is as the shepherd. Peter, that's the reason why he says this. When the great shepherd, the right shepherd, the truthful shepherd appears, you will receive this. It's because Jesus referred to himself as the shepherd. John reminds us of that when he tells us in John chapter 10 these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter into the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, the man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls to his own sheep by the name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger will call to them, and they will not follow, they will flee. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thieves, they come to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. We know that the Father is the one in Jesus Christ who pursues us so relentlessly that He lays down His life for us. And so it moves us to a place where we don't have to have pride or control in ourselves, but we can trust completely in the work that He has done. Why? Because He calls us and we hear Him and we know His voice. Do you know His voice? Do you hear Him calling you towards trust? away from those things that will pass away. The fact that you think you've got it all under control or that you're worthy to get glory and honor. He moves and he comes. So what is Peter bringing to us in this? Well, he's just expanding what God did to him through Jesus. If you remember John 21, you should all know that chapter. We have a ministry that's named after it that happens here on Saturday nights that feeds those who are in our community and gives them hopefully a little bit of hope and rest. Peter, who denied Christ, comes and encounters him. And what does Peter ask? What does Jesus ask of him? He says, do you love me? He says, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, (laughs) you know I love you. Feed my sheep. We see here Peter bringing that forward and saying, it can't just be me. (laughs) It can't just be up to me to do this. As a matter of fact, God has gathered us together just like sheep need to be because when a sheep goes crazy and off on their own, what's going to happen to them? They're going to get killed. They're going to get hurt. That's why the shepherd has to go after them. He says, no, no, you're bringing you, I'm bringing them in. I, I've got them together. I, I've put them in a safe place 
safe so that I can shake them up and make them who they're supposed to be. Feed them. Care for them. And so our challenge, brothers and sisters, those who are far off and those who are near, those of us who have been following Christ and those of us who are scared to death to follow Him, our challenge is to recognize our own hearts in this and recognize that sometimes our desire for leadership is a desire to domineer. Our desire is for our own pride and for our own control. Sometimes our desire not to follow is our own desire for control and for pride. But that the Father comes and He speaks into our hearts with love and says, no, be my sheep. Let me transform you and then lead. Be a shepherd. Let's pray. Father God, You are good to us. We want to hear these words and we want them to attack us. We want them to transform us and change us. We want to be made new because of them. And so we ask that if these words are not your words, that they burn up, that they fly away, that they don't take root in our lives. But if they are your words, Father, that they will take root and that they will bring you glory and honor and praise. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.